welcome to Her Journey Podcast, where we talk with incredible, talented, and powerful women about their experiences. My name is Aline, and I'm your host, and today I'm joined with Elaine, the founder of 5X Minority. Um, All right, yeah, so I'd love to get started by just having you give a little bit more of an introduction of yourself and just about who you are and what you do. Yes, awesome. Thanks, Aline. Um, Elaine here. I was uh, give you a quick background. I was actually born and raised in the Dominican Republic, and I moved to the U.S. at the age of 17 after finishing high school. And so it's been quite a journey since then. Um, today, I work as the AVP and CIO for IT in New York, and I'm also the founder of 5X Minority. And 5X Minority is a company that focuses on elevating the voices of women and underrepresented minorities in tech and beyond. Mm-hmm. Yeah, awesome. Thank you so much. So, yeah, definitely, I can see that you do a lot of this really amazing work. And I think most of this work revolves around the tech industry and around STEM in general. And mm-hmm. so I'd love to kind of hear a little bit more about your interest in tech and kind of where that started and how you got more deeply involved throughout your life as well. Yeah, you know, I think early on, it started from me watching my brother. So my brother is the oldest of three, and he would always play around with video games and computers. (laughs) And so I would watch him play around with his friends, changing hard drives and changing memory. And I think I was always a curious child. So I would always look around and just be intrigued about the things that I saw. And when I came to the U.S., I went into college and started doing what they call the work-study program, and I was assigned to work at the computer lab. And so I think my love was solidified there because I love helping people. And so for me to go into desktop support and the customer service side of IT was actually pretty natural um, because I could get along, along with a lot of different people. And so I got started mostly on the desktop support side and then went up into management um, after that. Yeah, I think that's so cool. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And I know you talked a little bit about this work that you've done in IT, and I know that you've worked in IT for quite some time now. And so throughout this experience uh, working in this field, would you say that it's shaped any of the work that you currently do or the mindset that you have within the workplace? Mm, It definitely had something to do with it. I think that in general, my spiritual journey has more to do with (laughs) my (laughs) values and the way I see life today. Mm -hmm. But uh, I think a lot of what I learned from IT was what not to do, (laughs) especially (laughs) as I moved up the ranks and became, uh, you know, a manager, director, CIO. Um, I really feel that in IT, we spend a lot of time focusing on the technology, which is great. I love the technology. That's why I went into IT. But I think things are shifting a little bit now, and they have been shifting for a few years now. And I feel that we should put more emphasis on the humans behind the technology and then the technology. And so I think seeing that over the years working in IT made me tell myself that, I could make a difference and I can bring about change. And so that's what I do now. For me, my teams come first, uh, the people, the humans come first, my managers come first, and the technology comes second. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for sharing. Um, And you actually talked a little bit about this spiritual journey that you had that kind of shaped your values. 
Um, and I think it'd be pretty cool to kind of hear about this journey that you had, along mm. with maybe any challenges, struggles, or obstacles that you yourself have faced or just observed um, that might have also inspired the values that you have now or the work that you do. Yeah, you know, early on when I moved to the U.S., I, I faced a lot of challenges. And I can tell you the first one for me was having a very strong accent. Um, mm -hmm. I remember times where people would actually stare at my lips, which made me feel very conscious <laughs> about speaking, because I know they wanted to understand the words that were coming out of my mouth. And so, you know, that made me develop what some people call imposter syndrome, which a lot of people say doesn't exist, but we have it. So mm -hmm. I spent a lot of time doubting myself and wondering if I was good enough or if I was even capable of doing the work that I saw so many men doing. Mm -hmm. um, something else that, that stayed with me for a while was the fact that every class that I went to in college, I was probably the only girl or one or of two or three girls in the class. Mm -hmm. And so I was very aware of knowing that I was a minority from day one. And let me tell you, it's still the case today. I, I go to a lot of meetings where I am the only woman. It's less than mm -hmm. before, but it's, it still exists. And so, you know, seeing a lot of what was happening there and also the fact that sometimes your voice is not valued or, or you don't get a chance to speak, um, it, it drove me into the spiritual journey that helped me understand humans at a deeper level, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I think it changed a lot for me because I started to understand more where other people were coming from. Something that I, that I usually share is that we shouldn't ask people what's wrong with you. We should ask people what happened to you. And so for me, I'm always curious about what did the other human being go through that made them be the way they are today, even if they're being mean to me. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think that, you know, go through this process of being surrounded by men most of the time, uh, because I got to really get close to everyone around me and understand where they were coming from and putting myself in their shoes. And I think it helped other people connect with me at a deeper level. Um, and so, you know, issues like that, even even not being able to speak uh, uh, my my complete sentences during meetings, um, because I was probably translating in my head from Spanish to English and people were not patient enough to wait for me to finish. I think a lot of people face the same issues now when they come from another country and, and they can relate to this. And so, you know, it took a lot of a lot of work, a lot of pain, a lot of crying, <laughs> but a lot of, uh, you know, self-acceptance. You know, I think that in the end, loving myself just the way I am is what helped me show others how to love me too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I, I completely agree. And I think you brought up some really great insight about especially, you know, being able to understand different people's perspectives, putting yourselves mm -hmm. in other people's shoes. I think that all just comes with the idea of empathy. And I think that's a really great thing to bring up. Um, and I know that, you know, you yourself, you faced these really important struggles, these challenges that have, you know, definitely shaped you as a person and kind of all this amazing work that you're doing now. Um, and so while you're also um, doing all this work, and while you've been you know, working in IT or in the tech industry, coming here. Um, what are some of the other challenges or struggles that you've observed um, among other minority groups or among, mm -hmm. 
you know, other people who might, you know, kind of come from different backgrounds that yeah. have faced in this industry as well. Yeah. You know, something else that I, that I faced early on that I want to mention is, is the fact that I felt that I got a complete new identity because mm-hmm. before I moved to the U.S., I was used to being called Elaine. My entire family always called me Elaine. And I remember coming to the U.S. and hearing Elaine for the first time and not knowing that that was actually my name in English. <laughs> and it took me a while mentally to get used to getting a new name in a way mm-hmm. and responding to a new name. And I know that if you come from other parts of the world, you also feel ashamed because people don't know how to pronounce your name and you want to change it because you want to fit in and and you want to make sure that it's easier for other people. Mm -hmm. And so I observe a lot of that happening where people would actually on their own give you a nickname without you asking for it because they cannot (laughs) pronounce your name, Mm -hmm. uh, which I think it's sad and also disrespectful. I think we should make... Mm -hmm an effort to understand people's names and, and how they're spelled and how they are pronounced. And mm-hmm. if not, then we should ask. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing that I notice a lot, especially with the Asian community, is that because they're so quiet, sometimes they're not allowed to use their voices, you know? Mm-hmm. I think sometimes they tend to just be quiet and, and listen and, and not really speak up all the time. Mm-hmm. And I observed at times where I knew that they had something to say. Um, and so as a leader now, I go around the table and I keep track of who's speaking and who's not. And at the end of the meeting, I would go around and say, so-and-so, do you have something to say? Is there something you want to share? So I make an mm-hmm. extra effort to ask them and make sure that they feel comfortable saying what they need to say. Mm-hmm. Um, what else? Let me think. You know, I think the fact that you have an accent also gets in the way a lot of times Mm -hmm. because people are not patient enough to wait for you to complete your thoughts. And sometimes there are jokes that people make because you're not pronouncing something well. Mm -hmm. I think that what helped me was making fun of myself. I used to joke all the time and I already knew because I went through it so many times that I told myself, you know, you have to do something. (laughs) This cannot keep on happening. So I started making fun of myself whenever I mispronounce a word and people would bring it up. And I would just, oh, that's what happens when you speak more than one language. Can you say it again? And I would repeat it. Uh, and, And, you know, without feeling ashamed. I think early on, a lot of immigrants feel shame for mm-hmm. being different and looking different. And it took me many years to understand that that was actually my superpower. Being different was my superpower. Having an accent is a superpower. Having curly hair is a superpower. But it takes years for a lot of us to get to, get to that point where we feel confident in our own skin. And mm-hmm. so I think we spend a lot of time people pleasing, you know, just trying mm-hmm. to make sure that other people like us and that we feel like we belong somewhere because we all have this need of belonging. And sometimes it gets in the way of you being your most authentic self. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I I love what you said about, you know, belonging in general. Mm -hmm. I think that, you know, everything that you just mentioned definitely ties into that. And I think that's definitely something really important, especially for minorities who are in, you know, these male dominated industries. Mm -hmm. So absolutely. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. Um, Yeah. 
And yeah, I think another really great thing about what you're doing is that you have this incredible company, 5X Minority, and um, you're advocating for a lot of these values that you care about through this platform. And so I'd love to hear a little more about where it all started and how you first developed the idea for this initiative. Yes. Um, you know, I, I spent so many years working in tech and mm-hmm. I got to a point where I was asking myself, how can I share everything that I learn with other women, with other minorities, so that they can understand what I went through and not go through it themselves, right? Mm-hmm. And so 5X Minority really started as a blog. I just wanted to blog. <laughs> I just wanted to write. I wanted to write about my experiences. I would always sit down and think to myself, what's something that I wish I knew 10 years ago? And then I would start writing about it. Um, especially when I started my spiritual journey, I think that changed my life so much that I wanted to share some of that with the world. And I thought, well, writing should be the best the best place for me to go, even though English is not my first language, but who cares? <laughs> And so it all started as a blog until a few years ago when I was selected to give a TEDx talk. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you that that changed everything for me because the TEDx talk resonated so much with so many people that I started getting a lot of emails and a lot of messages, especially for women, from mm-hmm. women who would tell me, you know, Elaine, I feel like I'm not alone anymore. I feel like you finally said what I wanted to say. And so that encouraged me to look inside myself and just realize that there is so much more that I could do. Uh, and so I, I, that's when I decided to change it and make it into a corporation and, and trying to find ways so that I can help. It was all a learning process, you know? It was just mm-hmm. one step at a time, okay? Let's get the name. What do we do now? Okay, let's create the website. What do we do now? <laughs> so it's been just, you know, just go step by step and, and see what else is needed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Super cool. Yeah, I love that. And I think it's so cool how this all started out just as a way for you to kind of communicate some of the values that you had through writing. Yeah. Um, and now it's this incredible corporation. And I actually think it'd be pretty cool to learn about maybe some of the type of work that you do here, like maybe any recent projects you've carried Mm -hmm. out or any upcoming projects that you're also excited about? Yeah, I love doing collaboration work. So I Mm -hmm. will collaborate with other brands if uh, it could be anything from writing to doing videos. I did a recent video with Cadillac for Pride Month. And Mm -hmm. that was really important to me because I've been looking for ways to celebrate the LGBTQ community more. Um, And so I'm always looking for collaborations, but I do a lot of speaking, um, a lot of uh, keynote speaking and a lot of uh, panels. I do private uh, workshops with private companies. Mm -hmm. I do seminars with private companies that want me to come in and speak about my experience or talk about diversity, equity, and inclusion. And more recently, I've been working a lot with ERG groups, um, a lot of especially Latinx ERG groups uh, who mm-hmm. want me to come and speak to the group and share my experience. Um, I also do a lot of writing. So I'm, I'm, I now write for Forbes. I'm on the Technology Council. I write for my blog. I also have guests who want to share their experience. And, and if we have a similar message, then they would also write on my blog. 
And mm-hmm. so I'm excited about all of that. Mind you, I have a full-time job. <laughs> so, so all of this I do after 5 p.m. and on the weekends, mostly. Yeah, wow. Yeah, that's incredible. I think that's so incredible that you're, you know, doing all this amazing work. Like you're a role model for all these young minorities and you're running this entire corporation and you still have a full-time job on the side. I think that's so incredible. Um, but yeah, I, that, I think that's so amazing. Um, Thank you. Would you say that there's any specific favorite part that you have about running 5X Minority and just being mm. this role model that young minorities can look up to? Ah, yes. You know, to me, giving back is the best part. Mm-hmm. I am a member of a, a group. It's called LALA, L-A-L-A. And it's a mentorship program. And I get paired with a mentee every three months. And so I'm on my second uh, semester doing it now. And I think that for me, just, I don't know if you've heard of what's an aha moment. (laughs) It's like this realization that comes to your brain that you couldn't put together before, but now you Mm -hmm. do because I said something. I love those moments when Mm -hmm. I'm sitting with a young girl and I'm explaining something to her and she looks at me with these eyes like, oh, I finally (laughs) got it. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm. I think that's what I enjoy the most, just knowing that I'm making a difference in someone else's life. Um, Mm -hmm. Because I also had mentors that helped me a lot and I feel that it's, it's, it's now a responsibility for me to try to give back. I think for all of us, especially once you make it to the top, it's, it's time to look back and reach and try to help others. And so that I would say that's my favorite part is just helping other young girls see their value that they have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I love that. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, seeing the impact that you're making directly, like just being able to see that take action right in front of your own eyes is just Mm -hmm. so incredible so I definitely definitely agree with you there um and I know we talked a little bit about kind of like the challenges that you faced um beforehand in the tech industry that kind of Mm -hmm. inspired your work now um but I know that also starting a corporation and like you said Mm. before you have a full-time job on the side um there tend to be a lot of role roadblocks and challenges that come along the way as well here so I think it'd be pretty cool to hear about maybe any struggles that you've had um you know starting this initiative taking it off um and really developing it and how you were able to kind of overcome them yeah that's a very good question you know I I mentioned earlier that I'm I've always been a curious person and I am someone that considers myself a student for life. I feel Mm -hmm. like I'm always learning and there is always something that you know, uh, Aline, that I don't know. And so I think one of the biggest challenges for me has been doing everything for the company. (laughs) You know, when you start as a solopreneur, you have to learn marketing, you have to learn sales, you have to learn, you know, booking appointments. And so I, I loved it. And I know it was a lot of work. I had to sit down one day and say, okay, WordPress, I need to learn WordPress, let me take a class. And then the following week, okay, Instagram, social media, I need to take a class, let me learn that. And then, Mm -hmm. you know, marketing skills. And so I love it, because I spend a lot of time learning. But one of the challenges for me now is letting go. (laughs) 
<laughs> which may not sound like a big problem, but when you start your company and you do everything from scratch, sometimes mm -hmm. giving that to other people who don't have your vision and they're not inside your brain mm -hmm. is pretty challenging. You know, it mm -hmm. requires a lot of trust that you're giving to other people. Um, if you look at any of my posts on, you know, I don't know, Twitter, Instagram, or, or Facebook, I do them myself. I prepare the graphics myself. I do everything myself. And so I'm learning now how to let others help me. Uh, and, and that has been a challenge for me. But other than that, it's, it's, it's fun. You know, for me, it's fun. It's more fun than being a CIO for sure. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I think that, you know, starting a project from scratch definitely can be challenging. But I also know from experience that it can be pretty fun as well. And um, I'm actually the same way, you know, I, mm -hmm. I think that it's really important for anyone who, you know, joins my team to kind of be able to have the same values as me or kind of have that same passion for the goals yeah. that I'm trying to achieve. So I definitely think agree with you I think having the right team is super important but it's also important not to kind of load everything on yourself because it's really yeah. hard to do this just and you know the other thing that I wanted to mention for anyone who's listening to this is that sometimes we have a vision and sometimes mm -hmm. we have a goal and we are looking at the end of the goal and we get intimidated by it because it's so big right mm -hmm. and so what I want you to take away is that if you break it down and you only worried about the next step, the other doors that need to be open, they will open eventually. Mm -hmm. You want to start a podcast, start doing research about platforms. Should I use Anchor? Should I just do Zoom? And mm -hmm. then get to the next step. And then the one after that. And things will eventually come up. But sometimes we're so worried about the end goal that we just don't take any step. Mm -hmm. And it ends up being worse. And so I think we're both an example of just go baby <laughs> steps and the things will come up one after the other. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a beautiful way to put that. And yeah, again, like I think the work that you're doing is so amazing, especially knowing that, you know, you're doing a lot of this kind of on your own, kind of taking on these speaking engagements and doing these partnerships, leading these workshops, mentoring, just mm -hmm. all of this. I think it's so incredible. Um, and I know that kind of along with this, you advocate for businesses and entrepreneurs to use their platforms to ignite social change as well, which I think is really awesome. And I think I would love to know a little bit more about this passion of yours and how you strive to advocate for that as well. Yeah, you know, something that I that I noticed even more after the pandemic started is that companies sometimes are so afraid of saying the wrong thing that they end up saying nothing, which is worse, in my opinion, than saying the wrong thing. But I think sometimes as leaders, we need to be comfortable being vulnerable. And so one of the reasons I created 5X Minority also was to, to show that, to show that as a leader, you don't have all the answers. You know, we have mm -hmm. this, this idea that, all the people that make it to the top are perfect and they're not. None of us are, right? And so I think that it is time for companies to understand that we need to speak up about all the social issues that are affecting our employees. You know, mm -hmm. I think sometimes we shy away from speaking about it because we don't want to come across as being one-sided or saying the wrong thing. 
But if you're vulnerable and you're learning and you're curious, then it would come off that way. Mm -hmm. um, so we've had many instances, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement, pride, you know, all of these topics that people don't want to talk about. I think it's a mistake. I think as a company, you can use even your social media platforms mm -hmm. to advocate for the causes that are uh, important to your employees. You can even send out a survey and ask your employees, what do they care about? Mm -hmm. And then maybe you can work with your vendors and get some funding so that you can support some of these causes. You can you can choose to donate maybe school supplies one year or maybe the next year you can start celebrating Hispanic Heritage Month, for example, <laughs> which is ending in, in two days um, or um, or a volunteer uh, in some communities. I think that we have to stop this mentality of what happens outside of work is not my problem mm -hmm. because I know that all of my technicians are affected by uh, the issues that are happening outside of work. I cannot sit there in a meeting and pretend that nothing happened. You know, mm -hmm. uh, one of the things that I remember was when this, this case of George Floyd was in the news, mm -hmm. I, I told myself, wow, I need to send a message. I need to say something. And of course, I was afraid of saying the wrong thing also, but mm -hmm. I knew that I had to do something. And I think companies need to understand that more and more that mm -hmm. your employees will care more about you as a company when they see that you understand their needs and you support the things that they care about. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. And I think you brought up a lot of great points there. Um, I definitely agree. I think that if you have a platform, you should absolutely use it. Um, or else, you know, these types of topics, they won't get the coverage that they need. So I definitely, yeah. definitely agree with you. Um, and I know that you yourself, you know, you've grown a lot, obviously, you've um, come a long way, you've done a lot of really incredible work in the tech industry, and you continue to be a really incredible change maker as well. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think it would be pretty helpful to hear some of the best or most important ways you were able to really just thrive and succeed in this male dominated tech industry. Mm. That's a very good question that I get asked a lot <laughs> because a lot of women don't make it to the C-suite, which is sad. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think first I want to say that one of the main reasons women don't make it is because of the lack of support and mentorship. And so I consider myself extremely lucky that I was able to encounter amazing mentors and sponsors along the way. I think... Not, not the only reason, but one of the reasons why I was able to succeed was because of the mentors that I had in my life who at times would see the value that I had before mm -hmm. I saw it myself. And sometimes we need people like that who are looking beyond what you see. And so I will give credit <laughs> to my mentors for sure. Um, I will also give credit to myself. I, I, um, I'm gonna call, I call myself a recovering perfectionist <laughs> because I'm trying to get away from it. Mm -hmm. But I am extremely organized 
and mm -hmm. my work ethic is amazing and I'm, this is not bragging it's just a fact <laughs> i i know that this is one of the issues that affect women the most is that sometimes we don't know how to advocate for ourselves because we feel that it's bragging and we don't want to do it, but we actually have to do it. Mm -hmm. um, and so I really focus on my education. Uh, one of the things that I saw was that if I was going to be discriminated against, if somebody would see my face or read my name on a resume and they would, because of unconscious bias, create an opinion of me be before they met me, I told myself the one thing that they will never dispute is my education. And so I would work full time and go to school full time sometimes or at night or on the weekends. And I focus a lot of my time getting certifications in IT, getting my bachelor's. I have an associate, a bachelor's, a technical degree and a master's. And I did all of that while I was working full time. And so I think that just educating myself because mm -hmm. I know that IT changes so fast that I constantly need to be learning. And, and let me tell you, a lot of my technicians are my mentors <laughs> also because they keep me up to date with all the new technology. Uh, but just knowing that I don't have all the answers, being humble, respecting others, I think those are the values that help me uh, make it to the top. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, making fear my best friend. I think in the end, we have to learn how to be comfortable being uncomfortable. And I remember being so afraid early on that I, I would just not help myself. Um, and so I decided that I'm here to stay. I have to, you know, my family made a lot of sacrifices for me to come to this country. So mm -hmm. the least I could do is, is, is be successful on their behalf and so I do the things that I do with fear because I know it's not going anywhere mm -hmm. absolutely yeah thank you so much for sharing I think that that's going to be super helpful for the audience um, for those who you know definitely also kind of want to follow in those types of footsteps and really either make change or just you know thrive in this tech industry or in any industry that you know is male dominated or um, tends to not give as much support to, you know, minorities or yeah. youth or females in general. Um, but yeah, just to wrap up, I would love to have you share any last pieces of advice or any tips and lessons you might have for young minorities or young women in STEM who mm. aspire to be a part of this tech industry or even create change like yourself. Yeah, this is great. Um, you know, one thing that I would mention is that even for me growing up, I always believed that I had to pick something, one thing that I'm good at and just stick there, like stay in your lane and just do that one thing. And what I learned is that I'm passionate about multiple things. And so something that I want to share is that STEM is huge. IT is huge. You can start in customer service. You can start in networking technology. You can start in, you know, database programming. There are so many avenues. Don't limit yourself, you know? Okay. I spend a lot of time exploring. I learned project management. I learned networking technology. I learned, I, I tried a little bit of everything. And then when I knew enough about each one, I decided which way I wanted to go. And so don't feel that there is only one way to get into, into tech. And also don't believe everything you think. 
because sometimes we don't realize that our thoughts and our ego sometimes is telling us things that are not real. And something that I learned to do was to always question my thoughts. And when thoughts come up that are negative, I actually question them and I challenge them. And I know that a lot of the time it's fear that's speaking and not me. And a lot of the times it's the ego who is sometimes trying to protect me. Sometimes it's good. It's not always bad. Uh, Mm -hmm. But, you know, believe in yourself and know that you already have everything you need because you were born with it. I think sometimes we think external things to be happy, but you already have it. You just have to make the time to look inside and then let it work for you. So I will leave you with that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Again, super amazing advice. A really, really beautiful, amazing way to end. Um, and I guess just before we completely end the recording, are there any platforms or social media you'd like to shout out? Yes, you can find me on LinkedIn. That's where I'm the most active, uh, Elaine Montilla, or 5X Minority, uh, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Awesome. Yeah, well, thank you so much again for being a guest on the podcast today and just for sharing your incredible story with the audience. Thank you for having me, Elaine. Mm-hmm.